Coming up on this week's episode of the Hog Beat Hour, we take a look back at Arkansas's loss to Mississippi State at home 54-24. We recap the week of practice, give you the latest on injuries. We preview Western Kentucky with a Q&A from Tyler Mansfield of Inside Hilltopper Sports. We're going to talk about the weekend visitors, recruiting, hoops, and lots more. Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Hogbeat.com and Rivals.com. We are the Arkansas Rivals site. I'm Nikki Chavanel, the managing editor, and I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson. Just a little plug real quick. You can sign up for Hogbeat anytime for free. Uh, use code HOGS30, H-A-W-G-S-30. Try us out. See if you like it. You probably will. Our message board is pretty addictive. Uh, it is week 11. We're heading into game 10 against Western Kentucky this weekend. Arkansas sitting at a nice 2-7. and seven. Uh, Coming off a big home loss to Mississippi State that, honestly, we all thought would be a pretty close game, but they lost 54-24. to 24. Uh, Not a lot of positive takeaways from that game, but it is leading to, obviously, a big offensive change this week. Uh, just thoughts on Chad Morris and the decision-making in that Mississippi State game and, and the week leading up to it. I think the, the, the most egregious mistake w- was the fact that he stuck with Ben Hicks as long as he did. Mm-hmm. I think everyone watching uh, probably felt the same way. The offense was totally inept with him uh, behind center. He, did, he was the quarterback for a touchdown drive. I put drive in air quotes because it involved <laughs> yeah. a 50-something yard run by Rakeem Boyd. Uh, had he not ripped off that long run, I doubt they probably would have scored there. Uh, I think he also led a field goal drive, again with air quotes, uh, because Arkansas recovered a muffed punt in field goal range, yep. didn't move the ball, and uh, ended up getting a field goal out of it. So really ineffective for all seven series that Ben Hicks was in there before Chad finally made a change. I, I, I think I talked about it last week on the podcast that I thought that they should keep Ben on a very short leash. and replace them if it was ineffective and they did not do that uh they didn't make a change until it was already a 21 28 30 point game something like that before they finally made a change at quarterback and at that point too little too late it just didn't make any sense because they weren't taking a bunch of shots with him like you would think oh they're gonna call some big plays they were down early um but nope and then he just looked off his throws weren't very on point there were maybe two drops credited to him and his receivers, but his throws were behind. He threw an almost pick uh, in the end zone. Just not a good day for him, and I agreed that, you know, sure, give him a shot, but they stuck with him way too long. Uh, and then add on top of that that the defense was giving up anything and everything to the Mississippi State run game. That was just so embarrassing. Kylan Hill had a career day, 234 yards or something like that. Uh, He was named the SEC Offensive MVP of the Week, of course. Just an overall incredibly bad performance by both the offense and the defense. 
Let's play what Chad Morris had to say, which was very, very, very brief right after the game. All right, I want to thank our fans uh, that came out today, uh, came out to a homecoming uh, game. Um, I'm very disappointed in our performance. And with that, I'll open up for questions. I mean, what could you even say after that game? But he even wrote it on his little notepad, which he, he always takes notes into the game to make sure to remember to thank the fans and all the important stuff. But this time it was, thanks for the fans for being here for homecoming. Disappointing game. I mean. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll ask you this. What did you make of how he blames Ben Hicks' ineffectiveness on the drop passes? Because I, I thought that was that was ridiculous in that, you know, going back and, and watching it, but also just, you know, pro football focus. Uh, you know, we do those breakdowns every week. There were only two drop passes credited to Ben Hicks, as you mentioned, and yet he blamed the ineffective. He was 4 of 13 passing. Even with those drop passes, that's 6 of 13, which you don't have to be a math major to know that that's less than 50%. Well, he said during the week that he was going to start the quarterback that he felt was going to give them the best chance to win, and that was the first questions that he got asked in the, in the post-game press conference was like, do you feel like you did that? And that was his answer. He was like, well, well, there were a couple drops or whatever. But no, you put in the guy that you thought would give you the best chance to win, and you were wrong. That's what he should have said, something along those lines. Like, he doesn't like taking a lot of credit for or, or blame for these games, and that is one of the most probably annoying things about Chad Morris. He, he doesn't he, – he says he'll hold people accountable, but he, he doesn't hold himself accountable at least when he's talking about all these mistakes that they've made. Uh, he did go to John Stephen Jones next, and John Stephen led a pretty good drive, aided by, I think it was a defensive pass interference call or a holding call or something like that. So that once, it, like, just in, again, in the Alabama game, another penalty that helped finish the drive, but uh, he got to score one, and then K.J. Jefferson went in and had one of the craziest throw and catches. The, the catch was incredible by Traylon Burks uh, and he went and scored and his first play of the game was like a 21 yard run and that's what everyone's been looking for all season long. Now I understand why he is giving John Stephen Jones the chance to start this Saturday because he really hasn't done anything wrong. He's done exactly what he's been asked to do um, but I think people still want to see KJ a lot more than they want to see John Stephen. Well, I mean, if you just look at the two guys, uh, you can tell one of them is a potential SEC superstar. Uh, the other one, John Steven, he's like five foot eight. I think what's he listed as? Five foot nine. Eight. Yeah, you walked by him tall. this week in practice, and you're about the same height. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm definitely not. I'll call myself five foot nine, but uh, yeah, that. But you, you you're right. I mean, John Steven has done what he's supposed to do. I mean, he led a touchdown drive against Alabama. He led a touchdown drive against Mississippi State. And these were at times where neither of those teams had like their, you know, third string walk-ons in the game. It was still uh, a mixture of starters and backups. So it was still impressive what he was able to do. But I think John Steve or uh, KJ is the guy that everyone sees as the future. Whether or not Chad Morris is a part of that, people mm -hmm. see KJ as the future. Uh, and that's because, you know, four-star recruit. He's a true dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he had the long run, as you mentioned. He capped it with a touchdown run of his own. Uh, the, the crowd, the few people that were still there, 
went absolutely nuts when he came in the game. And then whenever he did what he did, you would have thought it was... It, honestly, it brought back memories. This was before you got to Arkansas, but it brought back memories of 2006 when Mitch Mustaine came in late against uh, USC in the first game of the year and led a long touchdown drive. Did they win? They did not win. No, no, it was, it's the, it was the end of the blowout, okay. just like KJ. Uh, Mitch Mustaine, five-star recruit. He's an Arkansas kid. Everyone wanted him, wanted him. Finally put him in, and what's he do? He leads a touchdown drive, and people go nuts. Uh, obviously, different situation. There's no Darren McFadden on this team. They're not going to rip off 10 straight wins. But still, it, it kind of had that feeling that the few fans that were left were, were rewarded and, and got to see something that was pretty pretty exciting. Now, hopefully, uh, if you're Arkansas, that you'll see a few more moments like that these last three games and moving forward. Now, one thing about John Stephen Jones, you know, he was a high school hero. He's got that winning mentality, so I, I really like that about him, and I feel like the players will still play equally hard for John Stephen as they will for KJ this weekend. Uh, but all in all, the defense is still a huge, huge, uh, you know, liability, basically. I wrote a story this week in which it was almost – it was, it was too hard to even put into words just all of the different issues that have compiled to create this terrible defense that we're seeing now, starting with, you know, what they had to transform from 2017. Talk a little bit about how bad that defense was. Well, the 2017 defense was the worst statistically in school history in terms of both points allowed per game. You know, that goes back all the way to 1894 when Arsaw first started playing. Uh, and the worst uh, total defense in terms of yards per allowed or yards per game allowed, uh, and that goes back to 1947. So still a very large time frame, and it was historically bad. I believe it gave, they gave up a little over 36 points a game, uh, a little over 430 uh, yards a game. It was it was truly truly historically awful. We don't get a whole lot of realness from these coaches, but we did get a little bit from John Chavis on Monday. You know, certainly, uh, you know, uh, let's just tell the truth. It was broken when we got here and we hadn't fixed it quick enough, you know? And, and you know, uh, what we did uh, Saturday was unacceptable. Now he's right. I mean, Arkansas is playing a ton of true freshmen and that matters. I mean, you, you look around the SEC and you do not see those, that number of true freshmen playing at other schools except at the end of games maybe, or they were all four stars or five stars even and some of the best prospects in the country. Arkansas, while they did have a very, very good 2019 class, you know, a lot of the prospects that they got, Arkansas was one of their best options. And that, that's not really, I'm not knocking the staff. They still worked very hard to get those recruits, but would they be starting at other schools? No, uh, and it's hard you don't want to put the players down or anything like that, but Arkansas's backups are not good. Like that's why John Chavis does not put them in the game, and he doesn't or he hasn't through this many games so far. He's kept the starters on the field because even though they aren't performing well, they're really the best they got. Uh, some un an uncharacteristically bad performance was Bumper Pool this past week. I think maybe he was just a little bit out of position on some tackles, but. And then Joe Fouché, I mean, he had a very, very bad game, um, which, I mean, I feel like he's got potential, but I don't know what it is. He just 
can't make tackles when he really needs to. There was one play I remember early in the game. I think it was on the really long uh, Kylan Hill. Uh, I think it was like a 60-yard run to set up the first touchdown of the game where Joe Fouché got blocked, and the the offensive player blocking him blocked him off the field into Mississippi State sideline. It was it was almost like the scene out of Blind Side whenever Michael Ower like first blocks a guy off the field and like just completely dominates yeah. him. It reminded me of that. I mean, Kylan Hill is the SEC rushing leader, so that was to be expected. He was supposed to come in and dominate, but I mean, he had two hundred almost two hundred yards in yeah. the first half. Yeah, I was honestly starting to get on Darren McFadden three twenty one watch because. That he was just that dominant, and I didn't see any way Arkansas could slow him down, unless, of course, they got down enough to where they put in a backup, which they finally did, or else he probably would have broken Darren McFadden's record. One of the most confusing things about Arkansas's defense is against run-heavy opponents, they're still playing nickel and dime for a large majority of the game. And maybe you can go into this a little bit more, but it doesn't make sense because in nickel and dime, you have an extra player on the field who is smaller albeit perhaps faster, but smaller and, and not as effective at stopping the run. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and that's something that John Chavis hasn't really addressed at all. And I'm not sure whether it's because maybe Hayden Henry, you know, the third linebacker, just isn't that quick or he doesn't have a lot of confidence in him, but they keep Greg, Greg Brooks and Micah Smith out there a lot. And, I mean, Greg Brooks is, once again, a true freshman, so you can't expect too much out of him. Yeah, and I don't really understand it either, so much so that I believe it was after the Kentucky game, I actually reached out to uh, a guy I know who played football at Arkansas and played on the defensive side, and I was like, hey, is there any schematic reason why you would stay in your nickel formation? Which the whole reason the nickel and dime came about was to get an extra defensive back on the field to combat these high-flying passing offenses that have become so prevalent across all levels of football. Well... He, when I asked this guy about it, he said, "No, I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't, why I would, you know, not be uh, in your base four-three defense." Uh, he said, "I would be stacking the box. I'd be bringing a safety down to help out." Uh, we haven't seen any of that. Uh, and John Chavis, after that Kentucky game, he claimed that they they stacked the box. I never saw them do it, even after going back and watching it. And I'm sure it was the same thing against Mississippi State, where they were not stacking the box. They were in the nickel for, I believe, all but four snaps. It, it just it doesn't make sense whenever you're playing a team that is going to run it as much as teams like Mississippi State and Kentucky do. I mean, maybe it's part of Chavis's, you know, whole bend don't break kind of mentality. But Arkansas wasn't very good in coverage either. So, like, you had Ladarius Bishop out there. He goes up to try to stop a touchdown, and it was just, I mean, he, he had no chance. He didn't jump high enough, or he mistimed the jump. And I think he got on uh, You Got Mossed segment oh, on Monday no. Night Football. I saw, so, I saw some tweets about it, so that, that's, that's not good. All right, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about C.J. O'Grady, no longer with the team. Uh, recap the week of practice and look at injuries and lots more. All right, one of the biggest things we were sitting on leading up to the game on Saturday was that C.J. O'Grady is not with the team anymore. Uh, they told us before the game that Chad Morris was going to address it after the game, 
he didn't, so we kind of went ahead and rolled with it. Oh, he addressed it. <laughs> he said uh, he was suspended today, and we're going to talk tomorrow. Yeah. That's all he said. He declined to go into any further detail. Yes, but we had already heard that he was basically off the team, and it had to do with both him missing meetings on Sunday and Tuesday, and then he supposedly had a conversation with Chad Morris that got a little heated, and uh, that basically, that was it. They mutually agreed to part ways, and that just blows my mind. He is one of the five stars of this team, right? Arkansas doesn't He's have He's probably the stars. best pro prospect out of all of them. Yeah, so it, it's pretty crazy. He had just broken Jeremy Sprinkle's uh, tight end touchdown yep. record. It's just crazy to me, but CJ's always had issues. You want to run through all the different things that's been wrong with C.J. O'Grady since he was here. Well, just since getting to Arkansas, uh, about a week before the first game of his freshman year, he was uh, arrested for DWI. Uh, then over the next, he redshirted that year. Then over the next couple of years with Brett Bielema at the helm, uh, was in and out of Bielema's doghouse, uh, missed several games. I think he only played, I think he missed between those two seasons, uh, five or six of those games. Uh, so he was in and out of the doghouse. Then, of course, last year uh, with Chad Morris, he was suspended for the first two games of the season for undisclosed violation of team rules. Uh, we come to find out, thanks to a tweet from Dre Greenlaw, that it was probably because of skipping workouts and class. Uh, then the, he this year he missed the first game of the season. The coaching staff, uh, the official word from the U of A was because it was uh, he was still recovering from an injury he suffered during fall camp. However, we have sources telling us that it was a suspension. Uh, then uh, he obviously had the game, uh, I can't remember who it was against. Was it Colorado State? Yeah, yeah he where, had his flu game. Yeah, where yeah, he, was, he, was, strep he had strep throat and he didn't play in the first quarter, but then magically was healed and played almost every snap from the second quarter And on. he had the craziest play breaking like five Colorado State tackles. Yeah, it didn't look very lumbering sick. into the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> he, he looked just fine. And then he compared himself to Michael Jordan during the post-game press conference. Yeah. So, I mean, on one hand... He's not a great example for the young guys on the team. So it's, it's good to have him gone and not be, you know, quote-unquote, like a locker room cancer. But Ar Arkansas needs to win one of these last three games, if not two of them, hopefully, if Chad Morris and his coordinators want to stay here. Uh, losing C.J. O'Grady, you're left with Grayson Gunner, who he's – He's fine, right? Like, but he's not C.J. O'Grady. He's not going to make the crazy plays that C.J. O'Grady makes. And then at least we get to see a little bit more Hudson Henry, which is nice. He has three more games left to play. He can still redshirt. Uh, I hope that he has continued his development after suffering a concussion during fall camp. But losing C.J. is a big blow. He, Don't forget Chase Harrell. Oh, my God. I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, Chase Brickhands Harrell. I, I feel bad for the dude. At least he's a good blocker. That's Yes, he does grade yeah. well in blocking on Pro Football Focus. Yeah, but I don't know why you ever target him. I think that's a bad idea. Um, moving on, other injuries. Uh, they lost Devion Warren for at least this game and probably, well, there's bye week coming up, so ha hopefully they have him back for the LCU game. But now you have... 
Traylon Burks probably returning kickoffs, which is, I don't know, sounds good to me. Just a way, another way to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing great on punt return. He's had a couple of decent runs. He's obviously caught, you know, we talked about the pass he caught from KJ earlier. It was phenomenal. So that's just another way to get the ball in his hands. He had a couple of 40-yard kickoff returns against Mississippi State. So that, that'll work. Uh, Arkansas is also returning Austin Caps. So, you know, anytime you return a starting offensive lineman, that's a really good deal. Um, but... I'm hearing, or you heard yesterday after practice yesterday, that Trey Knox has the flu. I'm hearing he is still sick. So that could be a big loss. I mean, who do you put in when Trey Knox is out? I guess it's um, well, Tyson Morris, former walk-on. Yep. I mean, I guess that's fine. Like, Tyson, Tyson's had a few he's, good catches. He's had a good year for his role. I yeah. mean, I've, I saw some people, you know, criticizing him, like he should never see the field. Well, he is a He's a solid player. He's he's not going to go in there and make the catches like Traylon Burks or uh, Trey Knox or even be a, a guy like Mike Woods. But he's definitely capable of going in there catching catching the passes thrown his way and and just being a dependable guy. But also, T. Hugh Jackson still has one game left to play, and, and he can still redshirt. And even though Arkansas really minimally used him in uh, the first three games that he played, they were just like go. Oh, Go, Go long. <laughs> uh, they they used him on some on deep balls, but uh, it'd be good to get him in there if if possible, if the situation calls for it. Um, any other injuries that I'm missing? I don't think so. Uh, Kirby Adcock, uh, another offensive lineman. I don't know if you mentioned him. He, no, not yet. Uh, he is most like well, he's been in green at practice. Uh, also has a concussion, kind of like Austin Caps. I I'm my hunch is that he will not be available to play this weekend, uh, just because he's still been in green and they're usually extra cautious with those concussions. So especially with Austin Caps being healthy again, they don't have to to rush him back. All right, coming up after the break, we will be giving our big spiel on Western Kentucky, who is also desperately looking for a win after back-to-back -back losses to Marshall and Florida Atlantic. All right, if we are basing our prediction this week off of what Chad Morris has said, it's going to be a great game because Arkansas has had some of the best practices they've had all season. Right, Hutch? Uh, what, what was the week that he brought that? He really was hammering that home. Was it last week before the Mississippi State? Maybe. Yeah, and we saw how that went. So, uh, yeah, you got to take that with a, with a grain of salt. Yeah, Western Kentucky is coming to Fayetteville, led by Fayetteville's own Ty Story, a former four-star quarterback. Uh, he obviously played for Arkansas in his senior season before he decided to grad transfer away to Western Kentucky. And over there, they, they seem to like him a good bit. Uh, they, I was talking to Tyler Mansfield. We'll have Q&A from him later, but he was saying he's been running it well, which is nice. Uh, that's not something that I feel like Arkansas really utilized in his game when he was here. And uh, he's throwing about 69%, which is better than he was doing here. He's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions, which is a little inflated because they, you know, try to Hail Mary at the end of the game that was picked off. And overall, I feel like 
it's a pretty good matchup between these two teams because, as Chad Morris mentioned earlier this week, they keep the offense on the field a lot, which helps their defense, which is also one of the best in the country, actually. Uh, and their red zone defense is really good as well. They hold teams to field goals like 54% of the time, which is pretty good as far as a Conference USA team goes. Um, they also have a trio of wide receivers that are all veterans on that team. So that obviously benefits them. And they've had plenty of weeks now to get clicking with Ty Story. What do you expect Arkansas to do against this Western Kentucky defense? Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the young quarterbacks perform against that defense. Because as you said, they are statistically a, a very good defense. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see how how much they use KJ uh, and John Steven. I think it helps that they're going to have the, the quarterback run game for both of those guys. Uh, Rakeem Boyd has mentioned it uh, last couple of weeks that when, when those guys are in there, the holes for him are a lot bigger. So I think they need to, to do a, a steady dose of zone reads. Uh, John Steven seems to be really good with making those reads. Is he the fastest guy in the world? No. But if you make the right read, you can at least get a small chunk of yards, uh, even if you keep it. So uh, I think they just need to do that, uh, attack the defense, try to stay on the field as much as possible because, uh, because of that talented uh, offense. Even though they don't rank highly, I think they've been playing better of late since Ty Story's gotten in there and gotten more comfortable. So Western Kentucky is 5-4. and four. They're chasing their bowl eligibility. Um, Another interesting little storyline is Western Kentucky was beat by Central Arkansas at the beginning of the season by your little fun, what is it called? Transitive property. By the transitive property. If Arkansas loses to Western Kentucky, does that make them worse than Central Arkansas? I mean, yeah, if you want to go by the transitive property, yeah. I mean, that, that's something we always get brought, uh, gets brought up with uh, Arkansas State because uh, Arkansas State likes to claim, oh, well, we beat... Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Monroe beat you, you know, back in 2012. But it it would be really bad if it's UCA because that's an FCS team. That would not be uh, not be pretty. But it's a completely different Western Kentucky team. I think that's that's worth mentioning as well. Uh, one player I'm definitely going to watch on Western Kentucky's defense is D'Angelo Malone, who is sixth in the nation in sacks. He's got nine himself, and I think he leads the team with like 71 tackles. So and 17 tackles for loss. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Um, luckily, both John Stephen Jones and KG Jefferson are more mobile than Ben Hicks or Ty, or, uh, not Ty Story, uh, Nick Starkle. So I feel like that'll really benefit the Arkansas offense and they'll be able to get away from him a little bit more. Um, overall, I feel like Arkansas has a decent shot because this is their most winnable game. They have a 65% chance to win according to the Arkansas FPI, 64, 65. Um, they need this win because coming up next you have LSU. That game will probably crush any spirit Arkansas has left. So if if Chad Morris is going to hold on to this job, they have to win this weekend at home. Um, and then the home crowd, I feel like, could play a, a factor in this game. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Uh, if if the crowd decides to show up to see John Stephen and, and more specifically probably KJ and the seniors, they're honoring a bunch of seniors this weekend, uh, I feel like 
things could probably go the right way. But Arkansas is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite this Down weekend. to one-and-a-half now. Oh, I hadn't checked. <laughs> one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, if you were a betting man, where would you put your money? Oh, basically, with it being a one-and-a-half or one-point spread, it's almost a pick em. So, honestly, I just the way they came out and played last week against Mississippi State gives me zero confidence because Mississippi State is not a good football team. They had lost their last four games by like an average of 20 points. Uh, that included like a loss to Tennessee. So it's not like they were running through the gauntlet. Uh, so it, it, I just have zero confidence. And, and honestly, just knowing what I know about Western Kentucky, Ty Story's going to come in inspired. Uh, we saw last year Cole Hedlund obviously can't impact the game as much uh, as a kicker, but you know he almost single-handedly outscored Arkansas. I have a feeling Ty Story is going to have a big game, and I think the entire city of Charleston, Arkansas, is going to make the, the short drive up to Fayetteville to support their hometown hero. And uh, it's going to be – I've got Western Kentucky, I think, winning this game. I, I, just can't, I just can't pick Arkansas to win the way they've been playing. Let me play Tyler Mansfield's Q&A from Inside Hilltopper Sports, and maybe he'll change your mind. All right, everybody, I'm here with Tyler Mansfield, the beat writer for InsideHilltopperSports.com, our Rivals affiliate. Tyler, how's everything going? I know y'all just suffered a loss to um, FAU, but just what's the general vibe like over there? Uh, you know, things are going well. You know, they've lost two straight games now, but uh, I think the mindset's still the same. Um, Help said Monday at his press conference that, Things are looking good. The, the mindset's still the same. They're still positive. And, of course, going to play a Power 5 team on the road, uh, there's a lot to play for, so they can't settle and just get mad over a conference loss and kind of regroup and see how things go this Saturday. I know Arkansas fans are really invested in one particular storyline, and that's, of course, Ty Story coming back <laughs> to Fayetteville this weekend. Uh, how did he win that job? Because I know at the start of the season it didn't look like he was the starter. Right. Uh, Stephen Duncan actually won the starting job earlier in the season before week one. And then he got hurt a couple games into the year and is out for the year, had surgery. So so, so Story battled again with another quarterback for the starting job, and he actually won it. Um, I personally thought Ty should be the starter from week one, but things didn't work out like I, I thought. So Ty got the job eventually, and so far he's, he's played well. Uh, he's a smart quarterback. He makes the right throws. And also the way he, he can run with the ball and pick up big yards – that's the biggest thing Western's had to have because there's times this year where Ty will scramble for five or six yards and get a first down. So that's been fun to watch. Uh, he's played well. There's a couple games the last few weeks where he struggled taking care of the ball, but uh, the coach has taken some responsibility for those miscues, you know, throwing late to a game, you know, a Hail Mary in the fourth quarter to try and score points. But so far, Ty's been pretty good, and uh, Western fans seem to really like him. What have been the, um, the weaknesses in the defense? You know, uh, Looking at that, Western's defense has been good throughout the year, but recently they've struggled with the downfield throws, the the big plays. Um, receivers have been able to get open and, and, and score on them, where early in the year that wasn't the case. Um, Western has a good run defense, but when it comes to airing the ball out, they kind of struggle with the, with the secondary and trying to contain those guys from from you know getting to the end zone and 40-plus yard gains. So that's the biggest thing that they need to work on. So if, if I'm Arkansas, I'm throwing the ball a lot Saturday and trying to get – points on the board from just getting down to a throw because the rushing attack might not be the best but Western's weakness is definitely that secondary. How much have um, you guys been talking about you know the two guys over here that are starting both John Stephen Jones and KJ Jefferson there's not a whole lot of tape on either of those guys. 
Right. Um, I think we asked help Monday, and we said, well, I don't, I don't think it was announced yet while he was, while he was talking to his press conference, but he said we'll, we'll prepare for both and see how things go. But uh, me personally, I thought it would be KJ starting because I, I saw what he did, um, of course, last week and looked pretty sharp. And then Stephen Jones got the job, and um, I think – I think Washington prepared for both. Um, from from our philosophy, we're just looking at um, what both have been able to do. You know, it's a different quarterback system, so I think Washington will come in and just see what each one does and try to contain and uh, I guess pre- prepare that way. But um, for for me, I think John Stephen Jones is a good option. But I thought it'd be KJ, but you never know. We have no idea usually. Yeah, it sounds like they'll start John Stephen and then go to KJ maybe in like those second or third series and then whoever has the hotter hand they'll kind of stick with them so just a little yeah. inside scoop there for you but um how how is how are the hilltoppers you know at home versus away and are they weaker away most teams are uh, yeah um they're obviously better at home uh, i know lost to fau at home last week but you know and they lost at marshall on the road um other games this year i mean they went to fiu and got a big win uh, lost to louisville and nashville um other than that, they won at Old Dominion. They, uh, and then other than that, there's a couple more games on the road that they'll play this year. But I, mean, I think they're better at home than they are on the road, just like you said. Um, but I, I think they handle the, the crowds and the uh, environments, you know, pretty well. You know, playing Louisville and Nashville, there's more Louisville fans there, and they got a they they fell there. But uh, I don't think it really rattles them really. But I think coming in, it's just another game. Of course, Power Five school on the road will be tough, and we'll see how they handle things. But I think it'll be okay for them. Would you say special teams are a strength or a weakness for the Hilltoppers? That's a good question. You know, it's, throughout the year early, it was a strength. Um, they started a freshman kicker throughout the year, Corey Munson, and he was great. And then he went to Marshall and went, I think, three for five and then missed a PAT. And then last week wasn't the best either. So I think he's had his struggles. But it's kind of up and down right now. I'm not sure what they'll do Saturday because, like I said, it was hot and it was cold. So I'm not sure kind of where it stands now. But – I'm sure it'll be the same kicker out there, and we'll see how things go. But other than that, special teams is pretty good. Just just making those the right kicks and trying to put the ball in the right spot. Of course, on PATs, of course, is especially um, significant. I haven't checked the line recently, but I think on Monday it was Arkansas favored by two and a half. Is that surprising to you? And if you had the money, would you bet on this game? And who would you bet on? Uh, you know, coming in, it's a really good question. Uh, I know it's you're playing Arkansas, it's an SEC school, Conference USA, so obviously the SEC has the, the higher hand there. Um, I know Arkansas has their fair share of struggles this year. Western has not been the best, but um, I think coming into the game, it's I think Western's the better all-around team. I know Arkansas's more tougher guys, obviously Power 5 and more experience and higher recruits. Uh, I think just consistently and from a, a team standpoint, Western's more controlled and consistent right now. Uh, I think I, I was telling Andrew in our uh, Q&A earlier this week, um, I'm, I'm rolling with Western in a close one. I think this is a key opportunity to get a Power 5 win on the road. It won't be easy by any means, like Hilton said Monday, but maybe a, you know, a three or seven point, just a, like a one-score game, and Western's able to get a road win. Arkansas technically does not ever really get off to a very fast start, so if they're behind by halftime, it's they typically do not get back up. Uh, how have how how have the Hilltoppers been at the beginning of games? Uh, it's weird, you know. Against Marshall, they got out to a they were down seventeen zero early, and then against FAU, they jumped up to a fourteen zero lead. Of course, both losses. Uh, but usually this year, when they come out and score first, they've been really really good. 
minus last week's game. Uh, so I think if Washington got to a hot start, it'll help them out very well. Um, if they get down, it might be tough to go overcome. But so far, they've been pretty, pretty good with the, when they score first and get things going early. All right, forget football, on to a much happier topic. Arkansas basketball, oh, they're 1-0, and and the most impressive thing to me was just watching Eric Musselman on the sideline. I mean, he was so animated, and it's just such a refreshing view of a coach from what we've had with Chad Morris. Honestly, if you were actually at the game... Oh, sorry. There, there was a... No, 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 no. <laughs> Those that were actually at the game saw Musselman after a steal by Adriel Bailey and finish at the other ends. Rice calls a timeout. Eric Musselman lost his freaking mind. I mean, I've never seen a man get this amped, a coach that is. He was screaming. He was throwing his arms up in the air, telling people to get fired up. And he came all the way out from the sideline to the middle of the lane at that bat in the at Arkansas's end of the court and just trying to pump up the crowd, I it it was it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Mason Jones had a career high 32 points, and one thing I loved was that they took him out with like 30 points. I think they realized that he was on the verge of a career high, and then put him back in the game. I love that. Uh, Musselman said one of the things he uses to motivate players is individual stats, and it clearly works. I mean. Mason Jones has 32. Isaiah Joe had, what, like 24. 24. Adriel Bailey looked like he was playing his role that Musselman has for him. Um, who else? I think, uh, what's his face? The point guard, Jalen Harris. He had two three-pointers, which is rare, but he was two for two. I mean, His shot looks so much better this year, so much better. Last year, it was really, really ugly. Uh, this year, he is... I'm not gonna say. I mean, he's he's nowhere. He's not near as smooth as like an Isaiah Joe. But man, if he's making, if he just shoots thirty percent from three point land, I think that would help his game tremendously. Because I mean, he only shot eleven percent last year. Uh, Arkansas covered the spread against Rice. They out rebounded them. That that on top of turnovers are the only two things that really concern me with this team. Plus. If by off chance, you know, both Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe have off nights, that could be a problem once you head into SEC play. But it, it feels like Eric, Muscle, Eric Musselman has this team going in the right direction. And he was able to do it in front of one of their most important recruits, Jalen Williams, who will be back this weekend for his official visit. Uh, Jalen is now down to A&M, Auburn, and Arkansas, and if you look at those three programs, they're they're all putting him at the top of their list, making him a priority. But if you look at Arkansas's team needs, you know that Arkansas needs a big man like that. And you know, next year they will have Connor Vanover, who got denied his eligibility. Um, I actually heard that the team might have known this for a little bit, and they just kind of like kept it quiet wow. until. I, but you know, that's that's hearsay. So um, either way, Connor Vanover is going to greatly benefit from a whole year development under Eric Musselman. So next year, at least you have something to look forward to in that seven foot three monster who can also shoot the ball. Um, football recruiting. Arkansas canceled the one official visitor that they had 
uh, for this weekend, Donovan Johnson, who is a safety from Louisiana. But on the bright side, they plan to bring him back with a couple teammates that they've also offered, a linebacker, uh, Kellen Burrell, and another defensive back, Raekwon Stark. So, you know, kind of a one-for-three situation. So if you get him back here in, a Dece in December, maybe when the team has a little bit more momentum, you have a much better shot at both. Well, actually, they're all committed, so you have a better shot of flipping those three guys. And not in front of a crowd of... 30 or 40,000, that's probably going to be pretty pro-Western Kentucky because it's a tie story. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what the crowds look like at Virginia or UTSA where those guys are committed, but you still want to put your best, best foot forward and, uh, you know, if, if you have the option, keep them away from a booing crowd. You never want that. Um, Arkansas did land Mike Harris, a safety from Alabama this past weekend, but a lot of that had to do with him being teammates with Amante Spivey. Uh, I think that regardless of who the defensive coordinator might be next season, he really wanted to come here and, and team up with Spivey, who he calls a brother. So, huge thing to look for this weekend on top of Jalen Williams' official visit. Moses Moody, uh, four-star, small forward. He's going to be making his decision on Saturday at 6 p.m., all signs point to Arkansas. He's coming down to his de decision between Arkansas, Michigan, and Virginia. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're excited that this is being broadcast on the airwaves in Arkansas. Excited to get our voices out there for you guys. Um, tune in next week on the Hogbeat Hour. We'll be here. And don't forget to subscribe to hogbeat.com. You can do it for free for 30 days with code HAWGS. 30. Thanks, everybody.